0: I was invited to participate in Podcast Row, an initiative partnering up-and-coming entrepreneurs and brands with top business and peak performance podcasters, that's me, for networking, podcast interviews, and content creation. And Leadership in the Environment guest, recent guest Jeremy Ryan Slate, was also part of it. And also James Altucher not only participated, but he was one of the main planners. Running into him there is how he came to be guest on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And we recorded at Stand Up New York, I guess a stand-up club where James Altucher, he's a co-owner. And actually, he treated us to some of his stand-up. I'm sorry I didn't record that. Anyway, the next seven episodes bring the seven up-and-coming entrepreneurs, friends of James Altucher, and various people who were participating. Now, because we recorded back-to-back, the recordings had to be under 30 minutes, so I couldn't talk about the environment with each. But each is a leader. I hope that you can learn from each of them. And if they're in your field, work with them. This is a no-nonsense conversation with the founder of a technical business-to-business firm. We didn't get to talk about the environment, so it's all about leadership. It's for people interested in automating cloud network services and disrupting telecom. Jezebel tells her story from dot-com bubble ups and downs to retirement and back to work, seeing a firm go public, mentoring, being mentored, board membership, and a storied career. Jezebel is passionate about her business, which she helped co-found. It gets fairly technical about network services and internet infrastructure, but throughout, you'll hear her focus on people, her team and her customers, as well as integrity, sticking with your idea and vision, even when challenged. Welcome to the leadership in the environment podcast. This is Joshua Svodak. I'm here with Jezebel Gilmore. Jezebel, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Joshua. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. And I I want to go in a couple directions because there's what you do and there's get, you are a founder. Yes. And what you do is a kind of, it's a technical company. Yes. But when I read you it's not it's like a joy for you is it am i right yes i
1: love i love what i love what i do i love and i but i didn't start in technology so if that's what you're asking i didn't study uh, one of the stem fields in school
0: and and also before this you said that you did i remember right that you said that you were you had retired earlier yes okay very interesting stuff i want to um Okay. What did you do? Yeah. Can you give us, what did you do before? How did you happen to retire? And did you come out of retirement to do this?
1: I didn't come out of retirement to do pocket fabric. Um, I came out of retirement because I couldn't stand being retired. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I studied art in school and I, by chance, got into telecom, uh, in startup telecom. and. Back in the late 90s, and I got hooked once I.
0: Oh, so you're in the thick of like the the dot
1: bums, yes. You know, the dot booms and the dot bums. Um, You know, on paper, it was worth millions of dollars for a while. And in my early 20s, you know, Mm -hmm. when I had no idea what to do with all that money. And then all of it went away very quickly. All it. The same time, right?
0: Yeah, you're reminding me of, of my history, and, and if you go on too much, I might cr- start crying. But, oh. Okay.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> stop! But um, and it makes you realize the value of money, and money does not bring happiness. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I joined this company called Akamai uh, shortly mm-hmm. after. Well, while I was still at AboveNet, I, I was introduced to Akamai, and uh, I, I hated cold weather I went to school in Boston Uh so when they said that they were headquartered in Cambridge Massachusetts and I said oh that's not the thing for me and um, my mentor which was the chief network architect at Akamai said why don't you just come out and um, meet the people here I think you know we might be able to where were you
0: when they invited you to check that out
1: I lived in the Bay Area in San Jose okay Um, so he said, you know, if nothing else, you can come and see me and see Gail, his wife, who was one of my closest friends mm-hmm. for the weekend. I was like, OK, so I, I can do that. I presume it's
0: like spring or fall. Or...
1: It was. Yeah, it was October. Right. Okay. And um, but they've been working so hard. He had totally forgotten that it was not only uh, Columbus Day, which is not a huge holiday, but it was also Yom Kippur uh-huh. so and half the company were Jewish so when I got to the office half the people weren't there
0: uh-huh. um,
1: but still I went through seven hours of interview Wait, uh, he
0: told you to come out and visit and then they give you a bunch of seven hours of interviews
1: yes and
0: <laughs> did you know that
1: well I sort of knew that I was going to be talking to people I mean interview it was rigorous but people were more asking you know my, my opinion of how to grow the company okay so, I you know, I went out there. <clears throat> everyone I met was incredibly intelligent and driven, uh but everybody just left their ego at the door and i I thought to myself that was the kind of environment that I wanted to work in, and so
0: left the ego door. I mean they're humble and and supportive, not like I'm so great, oh yes, okay, so yes. A, a wonderful environment I'm picking up
1: yes uh-huh. in so um and if you know the telecom industry there's a lot of really big egos so it's and but everyone at Akamai had it was an it was an incredible learning experience for me and incredible out of the box thinking experience so no ideas, no idea was poo-pooed on mm-hmm. you know because it's not that you're not reinventing the wheel you're inspecting why a wheel goes round and see how you can make it better uh-huh. so um I I was at the end of the day, even though I hadn't had the opportunity to meet everyone, I said, you know what, sign me up. This is where I want to be.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and at that point, I had a different offer from a different CDN uh, that was the first CDN in the world <clears throat> called Digital Island. Uh-huh. And obviously, they no longer exist today. And
0: because you, you picked, well, I don't Could know about them, I don't know about uh-huh. me,
1: but I think that. Um, it does tell me that I made the right choice. Mm-hmm. So, and that's how I got into the telecom industry starting early on at above net, uh, and all the way, but.
0: And so you didn't, so then you ended up working in a place that the social professional environment you loved, the outdoor physical environment was cold. Uh, I just
1: worked a lot okay, inside. So
0: you, <laughs> and is that what you were Then at some point you retired from that. And yes. and okay, so retirement was because we were talking earlier about people and meeting each other and what makes life exciting and livable and and that you didn't. I take it the retirement led you to find that out.
1: Or, yes, yes, and you know, I I decided to that I'd made money. Akamai went public, and we were successful for a while, and then I was just gonna take some time off Mm -hmm. and so i retired and uh, my husband now who used to be my boyfriend then Uh and was supportive said yeah you should you know take some time off you've been working really hard for a long time so i i wanted to travel and i was like oh i'm gonna go to see some places but then i realized i really wanted to share that travel experience with others and that was pre-social media and i well, I think even if I had social media, I probably wouldn't feel so comfortable sharing. I wanted to share that experience in real time with people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I asked some of my friends if they wanted to travel, and you know, some of them did come here and there for a couple of days, but not everybody can just continuously be on travel and see the world with you, because they still have responsibilities. And at some point, I just felt that... I'm not really contributing to the world and I'm not really connected to anyone. I get to learn all this great different culture and it's not changing how I interact with other people and I'm not just seeing the changes with the people that I care about, right? And I couldn't share that. So I decided that I should come out of retirement and do something else.
0: So it was, it was really, you're traveling around you're like sure it's i don't know the eiffel tower is beautiful or the grand canyon looks nice but i'm just that's just my impression it's not a meaningful thing
1: it wasn't and, and i i wasn't able to make meaningful connections with the people locally right because they they saw me as a tourist mm-hmm. i'm not spending months in any particular place mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel deep connection with anyone. And the the kind of deep connection I had with my friends that I built in the process of building companies is so different than just a casual encounter with someone at, you know, a bar, a restaurant, the park or whatever.
0: In a city that you're not gonna come back to?
1: Well even if I did go back to not very often, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I did meet some people that I still keep in touch with, and they, you know, and they, they say that, you know, they some of them, in fact, have come to Boston to visit me. We've met up in other places. But um, it's really the sharing of that experience, I thought, made traveling more enjoyable for me, not so, um, traveling alone.
0: So I wanted to do something in one place longer and make more connections. I figure that's something I hope I'm characterizing fairly somewhat closely. And now you could there's lots of things you could do because you could start a for-profit company, you could start a not-for-profit, you could organize things in your community, you could get into sports. I mean there's lots of things that bring people together.
1: I did all of Well, no, okay. Maybe not the sports, right? So um I was on the board for the for NANOG, which is the North America Network Operators Group, mm-hmm. a nonprofit organization for education and uh, for networking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I started a for-profit company, obviously, with Packet Fabric, and and there were a few in between. So, um, and I work with uh, I mentor I. Uh, younger generation in technology
0: you mentor others yes
1: Uh and well I I also I'm still being a mentee myself I have a few mentors myself Um, I think that it's important that we give back uh, as we receive
0: okay so um, this is all context for was packet fabric is it something that you're deeply passionate about is it something that you is it how how, uh, why packet fabric
1: well, it is something I'm deeply passionate about because as a consumer for network services, because in all my previous positions, I was a network operator and I bought network services. And the way that I wanted to consume network services is how Packet Fabric is selling network services in a fully automated fashion, reliable, uh, with flexible terms. And uh having the ability to, for the end user, to implement automation to networking. I'm not quite sure that if I'm explaining that correctly. So I would call it automation absorbency, right? Mm -hmm. As a company, should you want to design an application that is able to run automatically in a network, the network has to be able to speak software.
0: Mm
1: Network today isn't always. In fact, most network services do not speak software.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, if you want to be able to control your network asset, you have to write your own backend stack to control it. And that's a pretty hard way to, and then which means that once you do that, it's hard to, you have to, you, it will be hard to switch vendors, switch services. With Packet Fabric, we have an API. Mm -hmm. for the network service that you're going to be absorbing. Mm -hmm. So everything you do is already available for automation.
0: And I'm trying to... How many people in the company? 30. And I feel like I would have expected you to talk more about your leadership of the company. Would you describe yourself as a leader of the company? Yeah,
1: uh, I'm one of the leaders.
0: And... um, I, I, I thought you were going to talk about how you led the people, how you manage people. And, or, it, actually, if you're in your position, do you, have, do you face more or what's the ratio between customers, employees, investors?
1: Well, we have had, so we've had one investor and he's our sole investor. Uh-huh. We, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure that I'm supposed to be talking about. Don't share about anything you don't want to yeah. talk Well. We're about to close another round of investment uh-huh. with the institution. Um, so, but today um, there's we, we started the company with four co-founders. Mm-hmm. Now there's two co-founders and a president of and uh, chief operating officer of the company. So um, two of the co-founders have, are no longer with the company. They left to do something else. And Running the company, the management of the company mm-hmm. is its not an easy task because, you know, we're small
0: people,
1: yeah. and it's people. We do a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think the model for the company is automation, right? We Automation is one of the principal values for what we do. Mm-hmm. We have a huge network with very little people because we implement everything with automation in mind mm-hmm. and as a foundation. So um, it reduces our overhead. Uh, it allows us to implement intelligent decisions um, and having the machines and the processes do the work.
0: So what's your role? Is
1: Well, so uh, I run, I started the, I started with the company, running business development, building out the ecosystem.
0: So that's the people within BD, business development, and the relationships with the the ecosystem, being the companies that you do business with. That's okay. right.
1: Okay. Um, so we'll be bringing I would build out use cases, and I would bring in anchor customers for a particular use case, and then make that a example so the sales team and can go. And the marketing team can productize and go sell it.
0: So what brings you to Podcast Row, to be on podcasts? Is it because a lot of times people are promoting their businesses. A lot of times people are, are just, or, I don't know. what
1: Promoting the business. Yeah. Because we're a young company. Uh-huh. Packet Fabric has been only been around for four years. We have about 150 customers today. Mm-hmm. Before the end of the year, we're going to reach about 10 million ARR. And, you know, the company's growing fast. It's a service that is deeply desired. Over 40% of our customers uh, acquire additional services after their initial order
0: mm-hmm.
1: on their own through the portal. So um, last year, we grew our top line 550%. We intend to see that trajectory, and we are seeing that trajectory uh, this year as well. So it's growing, and you know we, we love what we do. Our customers love what we do. Our best marketing is word of mouth, is through our existing customers. Mm-hmm. But in order to truly scale, you have to be able to get your message out there, and so that's why I'm here. Uh, I am in charge of sales and marketing uh-huh. now, uh, and since actually started. Uh, October two thousand November uh, two thousand seventeen. So, um, you know, we're just trying to see what works and try to get our message out there. You know, one of the uh, most interesting response I got when we were when I was telling somebody about what we do, uh, he was a CTO of a very large telco. Huh. I said, "Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't you guys build it, and then we can talk after." you know when you've built it and I said we not only we've built it but we have production customers on it and I can saw uh, his jaw drop because and I just he he did not expect that to be reality and most people don't know that what we do is available out there so I think we're just trying to get our brand out there and so people are aware that they can use such innovative services
0: it sounds very satisfying
1: yeah it, it is.
0: <laughs> somehow it's kept you in Boston as well.
1: Well, you know, I, I live on an airplane, I think, uh, most of the time. I, my family's made quite a lot of sacrifice for me to build this company. So I'm uh, at a lot of different places talking yeah. to people like you and potential customers, partners. You know, one thing that uh, what we do today at a Fabric
0: uh-huh.
1: is not the only thing that we're going to be doing in the long run. I always say that when I look at packet fabric, I see um, Amazon when they were just a bookstore.
0: It sounds really exciting.
1: Well, and- so you know, if you think about what Amazon had done, they they used to sell books, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that they're a successful e commerce company is because they figured out how to be the best logistics company out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have the reverse role. We are a logistics company for delivering network packets, mm-hmm. and so once we have everybody on the network, then we can become a commerce company and create a market for everybody to exchange their packets.
0: You're not saying anything secret about your strategy, no. Okay.
1: So, and we're working on a marketplace. Yes.
0: For consumer goods, or
1: no, for, for no, no, for for all of the participants in the ecosystem to be able to conduct commerce with each other. So right now we have cloud ramp product, right? Uh So if you want to build a private network to AWS, Microsoft Azure, to use cloud computing, cloud Uh storage, you can use Packet Fabric on the same physical port with a virtual connection to them You can connect, build your own private network between your data centers with Packet Fabric as well. You can consume internet, IP transit, internet services. You can reach a internet exchange to offload some of your transit services. And you can connect to anyone that is already on the Packet Fabric platform. So let's say you're collaborating. If you are a research institution, you're collaborating with another research university then you can exchange your data in a private and secure manner, and with reliability. And in those applications, there's a lot and huge data sets that's being moved around. So a hyperscale network is required, like Pack Fabric.
0: I'm contrasting the the I don't know what the let's say the technical aspect of, of this or the B2B aspect of it mm-hmm. and the people aspect that you were talking about before because it sounds so, it felt like the, um, is it two parts of life of like how you relate people with people and then the business side of things sounds more um, abstract. I don't know if that, but I don't think you read it that way.
1: No, because I see it as, you know, that my customers who are, today on the platform, are, many of them are my personal friends. You know, I, the reason why we created Packet Fabric is because that is the service I've always wanted to consume myself as a network operator. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends are network operators. And they tell me that their challenges are not being able to purchase and implement network services easily and quickly. It's too cumbersome. So many of the innovation projects gets tossed out the window because they just, not only there's no financial resources, there's no human resources to invest into building out infrastructure for innovation. Mm -hmm. So most of the time when you're in a company, you can't just say, oh, well, I have this idea. I think it might work. Can we try it out? They don't do that. Most company says, "Well, can you go write a business case?" Seven months later, um, you know, eight rounds of financial reviews, they're like, "Oh, that, you know, we're like this close, but no, it doesn't. We're not sure if it's going to make money, so we're going to toss that idea out."
0: You just, you just said, "Why I don't work at a big company?" Because I couldn't stand (laughs) that. I was like, "Why don't we write a formal formal proposal?" Is my understanding is no, that like that's like a long winded way of saying, "Sorry, no, go away."
1: And it's what a waste of resource, Mm -hmm. right? With Packet Fabric, we can provide infrastructure on a Mm -hmm. month-to-month base. So if you had an idea and you want to be able to just try it out, and you can turn up services quickly, easily. And the same thing with customers, right? If the customer wants to test out your service, they don't want to make a long-term commitment. As a vendor, you want to have customer test out to see if things work Because if they love what you guys do for them, they will stick with you forever, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least for a long time. And we give our customers the ability to, one, try out new services, different services, and we give our customers to sell their services over the platform to someone else easily and quickly.
0: So I want to... We have to wrap up because of time. Yes. Uh, But I want to close with, as someone who has... um, Taken on big challenges of starting things from scratch who's made these discoveries about people and and that's not like a revelatory experience of the not many people I haven't asked you your age but you don't look old enough to retire but you have not only retired but come back out and uh, for all these things any message message to the listeners of wrapping this up or, or messages you want to leave um
1: message for those and i think you know for me i often have to remind myself to be authentic and believe in what i believe in it's hard when your beliefs are being challenged by people that you respect and often trust uh all the time and but your idea is your idea it's your vision nobody else knows it the way you do so um don't let other people tell you otherwise you just you know the the difference between failure and su- success or you know a continuing edit is that you're still doing it
0: perseverance
1: yes absolutely
0: well, thank you very much
1: thank you it's a pleasure joshua